Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a retired firefighter fed up with political corruption in Canada files a private prosecution case against our Prime Minister. This country is so corrupt through and through. It's corrupt on every level of government. And seeing Trudeau did what he did, and I said the RCMP is not going to investigate. I actually went to RCMP headquarters and uh, they refused to investigate. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month. Plus, access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Norman Traversy is standing by to discuss his efforts as a private citizen to bring Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to justice. Before that, just a reminder that the free Conspiracy Unlimited app is now available in both the Apple Store and Google Play for both iOS and Android users. This is great news. It will allow you to stream this podcast from your mobile device. And for Conspiracy Unlimited Plus members, you can now stream premium episodes from this app. But to subscribe, you still have to go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. First, subscribe to the podcast at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and then go get your free app. I'll be sitting in for George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM this coming Friday, July the 10th, and then I'll be hosting again on Saturday, July the 11th. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information and to find an affiliate near you that carries this amazing late night radio program. Registration is now open for my live web conference on digital consciousness. And that's happening Thursday, July the 9th from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern. Digital consciousness featuring Jim Elvidge, the author of The Universe Solved and Digital Consciousness, A Transformative Vision. This is an exclusive web conference with limited access. We're only admitting 100 people. It'll take place via Zoom. You can go to strangeplanet.ca and under events and appearances, click on web conferences. 
All the details are there and the link to register. Again, Thursday, July 9th from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, Digital Consciousness with yours truly, along with author Jim Elvidge, strangeplanet.ca, and under Events and Appearances, click on Web Conferences. All the details are there. There's a link to register, and there's also a Frequently Asked Questions section to help you with any technical issues you may have using Zoom. This is a powerful story, one you're not likely to hear about or read about in the mainstream media in this country. Norman Traversy is a retired firefighter living in Ottawa who decided to take on what he sees as rapid corruption in government and in the courts in this country. He's launched a private prosecution case against the Prime Minister, and he's starting to attract the attention and support of retired RCMP officers and others, and I think you're going to want to pay special attention this hour to what Norman has to say and what he's trying to do. Norman Traversy, how are you? I am swell. How are you? Terrific. Let's take a few minutes to introduce you to my listeners. Some of them may have seen some of your YouTube videos that have gone viral. Some people may be very familiar with the work that you're doing. Others may never have heard of you before. Let's begin by introducing you to my listeners. I was a Mississauga firefighter, and I'm proud to say I was a good one. I got injured several times on the job, a number of concussions. I had a fallen through a floor in a fire, and I also had a roof collapse on my head. Ended up with uh, permanent spinal damage, and uh, they put me in public education in the fire department. So I was still in the fire department, but I wasn't fighting fires. And uh, that was a good job. And uh, 14 years ago, I was driving to work. I lived in the town of Aaron, and I was driving down the road to... uh, uh, go to work from Aaron to Mississauga, and uh, I came across a truck wreck. And it was a truck on its side, a fully loaded gravel truck, lying on its side in the ditch, leaking fuel. And uh, after a couple of attempts, I managed to rescue the guy, the driver. Uh, he didn't have a scratch on him. He had dropped his cell phone. He was trying to pick it up, and that's why he drove off the road. And uh, I was uh, injured, re-injured my, my uh, spinal injury. Uh, rescuing the guy and uh, went home, called the fire department, told them what had happened and saw my doctor a couple of days later. And she uh, said, you re-injured your your back injury and uh, gave me painkillers, told me to stay home. And uh, the fire chief called WSIB, Workplace Safety Insurance Board, because I'd applied for uh, benefits after being injured. And he said I was no longer a real firefighter and that he didn't expect his people to perform rescues off duty because I was driving to work. I was in uniform, has 25 years experience as a firefighter, and I rescued someone from a truck wreck and (laughs) they threw me under the bus. The fire chief, in other words, the fire chief interceded and didn't want you to receive workers' comp because you were officially off duty, even though you were on your way to work, you were in uniform, and you rescued someone. What difference would it have made to him if you would receive workers' compensation? Um, Because uh, the city of Mississauga, I think they're called the level one, they uh, directly pay workers' compensation uh, rather than the board pay it. And... uh, After a few months, I wanted to come back to work, and they wouldn't let me. 
and because I had, I was a witness in a sexual harassment complaint. A woman that I worked with was being harassed, and she asked if I would, uh, you know, tell the investigation about uh, what I'd witnessed, and I said I would. And uh, that investigation never took place, and <laughs> that's why they, they wanted me gone. After 14 months off work without any income, I was living off the equity in my house. They finally let me come back to work, and I was escorted to a little four-foot-by-five-foot cubicle, and they put a shower curtain across it because I had PTSD. That was their solution for a firefighter with PTSD was uh, humiliate him with a shower curtain. And they had a professionally made sign that I still have that said, Norman Travers T, uh, caged animal. I complained to my union, the union boss. He said, what do you care? You're getting paid every two weeks. After uh, three months of this treatment, the city's doctor told me to stay home, that I was getting my PTSD was getting worse because of this treatment. And so they fired me. And uh, now I'm a man on a mission. Guess what was it last August? I saw a video of uh, Brenda Lucky, new commissioner of the RCMP, and she was wearing her red surge uniform and saluting, and there were Mounties behind her, and they were all saluting. And while she was saluting, Justin Trudeau walked up to her gave her a hug and kissed her on both cheeks. He does that and a I lot. Thought, he does that a lot. <laughs> I thought, what contempt this man has for the person and for the office. Let me just stop you there. So after being fired from the Mississauga Fire Department, were you eligible for a pension? <laughs> they, Because I'd uh, done legal action against the city, Omers, the Ontario Municipal Employee Retirement Savings Fund, refused to release my pension because I had taken legal action. And there was a, a major battle about that. I eventually got a payout. Uh, I don't have a pension. And uh, they got rid of me <laughs> because, well, one, I rescued someone while I was on my way to work, and apparently I should have dri driven right by. My life would be completely different if I had, but that's unthinkable. It's also against the law, against the Highway Traffic Act to... Uh, drive by an accident without rendering all possible help. Right. In any case, uh, I thought this country is so corrupt through and through. It's corrupt on every level of government and seeing Trudeau did what he did and the whole SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould affair, and I thought the RCMP is not going to investigate. I actually went to RCMP headquarters and wrote them a letter about the uh, corruption and SNC-Lavalin, and uh, they refused to investigate. Okay, let me just stop you there, because we need to explain what the SNC-Lavalin affair is all about. And so, yeah. SNC-Lavalin, this big Quebec-based engineering company, was charged with, I guess, bribing Libyan officials in Libya. That's correct. And so, they were going to be prosecuted under Canadian, under federal law, and it is alleged that the Prime Minister or some of his officials interceded on SNC-Lavalin's behalf and pressured then-Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to drop the charges, ostensibly to save Canadian jobs, right? Uh, Jody Wilson, well, one, uh, they were also bribing Gaddafi's sons in Montreal. Uh, I think they spent over a million dollars on liquor and prostitutes and uh, also bought uh, them a yacht 
SNC Loudland did. And uh, when you do that, that's called human trafficking. So it also occurred in Canada. Uh, the office of the prosecutor, uh, who works with Jody Wilson-Raybould, recommended that charges be laid. And Jody Wilson-Raybould went along with the recommendation given to her, and then she was pressured by Trudeau and by Butts and others to drop the whole thing, as Trudeau said, to save jobs. So that's okay if it's going to save Quebec jobs. Not only was she pressured, she was fired. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now, so that's a little more than pressure. And so that's correct. And then the, the status of this is that the, the ethics commissioner at the time, Dion, said that these actions by Trudeau and his officials had violated Section 9 of the Conflict of Interest Act. I think you mentioned that Raybould was fired. She was later fired, but she first she resigned as Attorney General. And also uh, former Treasury Board President Jane Philpott also resigned. And then they were both uh, kicked out of uh, caucus. That's correct. Right. And there were also uh, five uh, ex-attorney generals and I think one serving attorney general that wrote and said that uh, he should be charged. And his principal secretary, Trudeau's principal secretary, Gerald Butts, resigned from his role, uh, although he later came back. Michael Wernick uh, stepped down as clerk of the Privy Council. So, again, the, uh, the ethics commissioner, Dion, said there was a conflict of interest here. The RCMP said that they were going to examine the matter. This all happened just weeks before the federal election. What happened, though, was the RCMP's investigation has stalled because they were denied cabinet meeting minutes. Records. Records. Yeah. So that's where we're at right now. So you decided to do what at that point? At that point, I was uh, watching the proceedings, and I thought, this is thoroughly corrupt, and it was uh, Trudeau kissing the, the commissioner of the RCMP that was the last straw for me. And uh, I am a student of history, and I know about the Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta is an ancient document where they got King John at Runnymede to sign that no one, including the king, is above the law. And that is a very uh, powerful document. And I knew about something called a private prosecution. Before they had police forces, uh, individuals were expected to uphold the law and, if necessary, make an arrest and, if necessary, prosecute someone in the name of the king, in the name of the crown. And that's still in effect to this day. I think it's Section 507 of the Criminal Code. Yes, you are enables, correct, yes. Okay, that enables someone to do that. And I invoked that. So I went to Ottawa City Hall. I had drawn up the documents about uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, corruption and uh, obstruction of justice and uh, also to uh, collude to obstruct justice, conspiracy to obstruct justice. And I wrote that up on uh, the you know, Ottawa court uh, documents on their forms. I walked down there, walked into the JP's office. This would be late August of last year and uh, handed that over. He says, uh, go for a coffee. Obviously, I've got to have a meeting. And I came back half hour later and he said, do you swear that everything in this document is true to the best of your knowledge? And I put my hand on a Bible and I swore 
He said your pre-ONCOT hearing is on September the 4th. Okay, just a minute, let me back up here. So, now this was filed at the Court of Justice in Ottawa? Yes, Ontario Court of Justice. Okay, explain what pre-ONCOT hearing means. Okay, pre-ONCOT means that they're going to decide whether the matter should go forward based on the evidence that I produce. And it is held in camera in that it's just me and a judge and a, a, a crown attorney. And, the, and accused, what, the accused in this case, Justin Trudeau, he's not required in a private prosecution to be in attendance, correct? That's correct. He doesn't even know about it. Because if they throw it out, then, you know, it's as if it had never happened. And at, and at that point, after you had filed this, this motion, did you have evidence with you for the judge to examine, or, or does that come later? No, I did have evidence. Uh, I had uh, a lot of written evidence, and I also had uh, recordings of some of the phone calls that were made to Miss uh, Wilson-Raybould, and I had those on thumb drive. And uh, I was there, uh, showed up with my evidence, and I had a witness come with me uh, who had also done successful private prosecutions. This is Gary McHale. Uh, Gary McHale. I want yeah, to talk Garrett about. Mc- I want to talk about him in yeah. a second. I just want to get back to the evidence for a minute, uh, Norman. Right. So, so we, th- Gary, okay, Gary had come uh, to Ottawa, and I put him up in a hotel and paid his expenses, and he spent a, a couple of evenings coaching me because I was a firefighter. I'm not a lawyer, and uh, showing me what evidence to produce, what was valid, and uh, we went to the went to the courtroom that we were scheduled to meet at, and we were a half hour early, of course, and they said, oh, the judge is sick today. They only had one judge in the Ottawa courthouse for a matter concerning Justin Trudeau, and uh, they said, uh, your your next hearing's gonna be on October the 7th, and so I got that in writing, October the 7th, uh, room, courtroom 14. Okay, let me just Ottawa jump in court. here. Let me just jump in. I wanna pick up on some yep. points. So in terms of the evidence, and you said you had several boxes full of evidence, you had thumb drives containing recorded phone calls. All this evidence that you had, this was gathered how? This is, this is evidence that was already in the public eye and in newspapers? Yes, it was all, already in the public eye. A statement given by uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould in Parliament on the floor. Uh, other documents, the letters from the Attorney General's, uh, the stuff from the Ethics Commission. Uh, there was part one and part two uh, because uh, he'd also accepted bribes from the Aga Khan, who then lobbied the Canadian government. And uh, we had evidence, and we just wanted the evidence looked at. Right, and this is and, the same um, evidence that the ethics commissioner would have looked at in rendering his decision that the, the prime minister had violated conflict of interest ethics. So that's correct. So all of this is in a number of boxes. It's given to the uh, the justice of the peace at the court of justice. I just wanted to spend a few minutes now talking about your helper here, Gary McHale. This is a, a political activist. Some people may recall he was involved in the Grand River land dispute. This was in Caledonia, Ontario, where an Aboriginal group were protesting at the uh, Douglas Creek estates that were about to be developed. They claimed it was their land. And uh, Gary McHale uh, was, I guess, trying to get the police to, to shut down the protest. In other words, to do their job. 
So this is how one of the ways that he sort of gained his notoriety. But you say that Gary McHale is considered one of Canada's foremost experts on private prosecutions. That's why you reached out to him, correct? That is correct. I I didn't know the man. I I managed to track him down and he came up from where he lives, which is about a seven hour drive. And uh, we got along well together and we were quite confident. And uh, to find out that the judge is sick and then it was rescheduled for October the 7th and I brought Gary out again and uh, we were prepped even more prep this time. And uh, we showed up at nine o'clock for a scheduled 9.30 pre-Oncot hearing, room 14 of the Ottawa Courthouse. I also had three other uh, people there for moral support that were interested. And so there was a group of five of us. I tried the door at nine o'clock, it was locked. Normally uh, for these things, you put the names of the people involved in the in the hearing. So it should have said Traversy versus Trudeau on the door, and it didn't. We went to the front desk, and uh, there was no record of it on there either. And uh, I was politely knocking on the door every couple of minutes, and we stood there till after 10 o'clock. And just after 10 o'clock, the doors were unlocked, a group of people went in and we went in and I don't know how, but the clerk of the court uh, said, you people will have to leave. And obviously the, the clerk knew who I was, and who I'd never met before. And uh, we went and stood outside the door and waited. And around 11 o'clock or so, uh, a well-dressed woman in a business suit carrying a bunch of books came out and she looked like a lawyer. So uh, I approached her and I said, do you know anything about the Traversy versus Trudeau matter? And she said, yes, that was dealt with first thing this morning. And I said, do you know what happened? She said it was stayed. And I said, "Uh, can you tell me why? And she said, you'll have to ask the Crown Attorney. You'll have to explain what stayed means. So if a case has been stayed, what what does that mean? Dismissed? Delayed? What? Stayed means put on hold. Got it. it. The matter can be reopened at any time. It means press pause. All right, but that, that was, was done. That was done with in your absence. Yes, it was out. Oh, and then okay. So we waited until noon, and no one came out. And at around noon, I went and tried the door. The door was unlocked, and no one was in the room. They'd gone out the back way. They didn't want to face me. They'd gone out the back door. The Crown Attorney. The Crown Attorney and the judge and uh, I guess the uh, secretary or stenographer, whoever that is, the recorder, they'd all gone out the back way. So uh, I have a friend at the court who can get me transcripts. And I had that transcript uh, the same day. And the transcript uh, stated uh, it started at uh, at 9.30 when it was supposed to start. I was outside the door knocking on the door while this went on. It lasted less than five minutes, and they stayed it for lack of evidence using what they called the McHale Principle. McHale Principle is named after Gary McHale. It's from the Supreme Court of Canada, and I had Gary McHale standing next to me, the guy the principal's named after. And uh, it was stayed for lack of evidence. 
Well, we had a crate full of evidence right outside that door. They didn't want to open that door. And that was uh, basically rigging the Canadian election because if this would have been able to go forward, no matter what, Trudeau would not have won. I mean, he'd have been in court. Okay, so let me just back up here and pick up on some important points. It was stayed at 9.30, even though your court appearance was for 10.30. No, my no. court appearance was for 9.30. 9.30. But and you, you showed up and you didn't get in until 10.30 because they locked the doors. I didn't get in. Uh, yeah, they locked the door. Okay, so... And, uh, they couldn't have missed me knocking on that door. You know, I wasn't pounding on the door, but I was knocking and they'd have heard that uh, during the proceeding and it was stayed at 9.35. And, and which this, means it's put on hold, it hasn't been dismissed, it can be reopened, and I am going to reopen it. So uh, that's where we're at now. I've waited six months since that happened because I've been told that if I fell too soon after that, it would be considered vexatious. Right, but I just want to pick up on a point here. It was stayed in your absence. Can they do that? That's is that correct. is that legal? No, it's an obstruction of justice locking me out of a courtroom when I have a scheduled hearing. It's a blatant obstruction of justice by the Ontario uh, Court of Justice and by the Attorney General of Ontario because they don't do something like that without instructions from higher up. And so they said that the, that it was stayed due to lack of evidence but had they looked at the evidence or was that with no, you no they had not they had not looked at the evidence that that hearing was for me to present the evidence that's my chance to say my story present my evidence and then they decide whether or not to go forward and they did not look at my evidence i never got to talk it was a blatant obstruction of justice on the part of the attorney general the Ontario Court of Justice. Uh, I've got the name of the uh, judge that was there and I've got the name of the Crown Attorney. And I will be charging them as well. But uh, this, I can't believe this is happening in Canada. And uh, they they cited the McHale principle. Again, this goes back to Gary McHale, political activist who has been, I guess, involved in a number of private prosecutions you recruited him to assist you in this case do you know can you tell us what the McHale principle is what that refers to specifically it refers to the amount of evidence required for a matter to go forward uh i can't get very specific about it uh i haven't really you know researched it but that's what they quoted uh gary McHale successfully prosecuted the attorney general of ontario and won and he also successfully prosecuted Julian Fantino, commissioner of the OPP. And he won that one too. So I figured he must know what he's doing. And that's why I recruited him. And uh, I just said, you're the boss, I'll do what you tell me to do. And uh, <laughs> they locked us out. And so then you went to the federal court. You yes, were looking for, the, yeah, go ahead. I went to the federal court and everything is walking distance from where I live. And uh, I went to the federal court, they gave me a form, I filled it out, brought it back, they said I hadn't done it right, and I, I ended up going back and forth about three times before they said it was okay. And this is a writ of mandamus that you received? 
I, I didn't receive it. Ah. Uh, I was requesting a writ of mandamus, and a writ of mandamus is just legal. Uh, it's Latin for uh, do your job, <laughs> or I demand. And uh, I was requesting that uh, from the federal court to instruct the Ontario Court of Justice to do their job. And what I got back from the federal court was uh, we have no jurisdiction over the Ontario Court of Justice, which I found bizarre. Uh, I then went to the Ontario, uh, not the Ontario, the Canadian Human Rights Commission, and a complaint with the Ontario the Canadian Human Rights Commission uh, that I'd been discriminated against and that I was not uh, given access to the uh, judicial system. And I put that in, and I got a letter, which I can provide from the Canadian Human Rights Commission, stating that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms does not apply in the Ontario judicial system. That sounds... That's what it said. And, uh, I mean, have you have you received any legal advice on, on that ruling? Is that true? Is that true? Apparently it is true. And that, that it, it only applies to federally regulated uh, businesses or enterprises or ministries. And the Ontario Court of Justice is well apparently Ontario is a separate country from Canada <laughs> from from what I found out or so it would uh, seem I, or so it does seem and I went to Elections Canada in person and I said look this is uh, election tampering by uh, you know protecting Trudeau from prosecution uh, just before the election which obviously changed the result of the election and uh, they they wouldn't touch it. More of my conversation with corruption buster, private citizen Norman Traversy, when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. So this is creepy. A few weeks ago, I was on email with a friend and we were talking about my boys taking tennis lessons. And the next thing you know, I start receiving Google ads for tennis equipment. You can't tell me that's a coincidence. We're really exposing ourselves, making ourselves so vulnerable, especially when we're on public Wi-Fi. So it's never been more important to take steps to keep our data and emails private. But let's face it, finding an email provider that can guarantee privacy is a challenge. Let me make this real simple and stress-free. Proton Mail is a private email solution that offers end-to-end -end encryption. That means nobody can read your emails or sell your personal information to advertisers. Proton is based in Switzerland. They take privacy very, very seriously in Switzerland, folks. In fact, they have some of the world's strongest privacy laws. Here's another cool thing about Proton. All of their apps are open source, which means more flexibility for the user. And Proton is funded by you and me and their community of users. So there's no revenue from ad sales. I love Proton's philosophy, people over profits. Click on the link in the episode notes or go to protonmail.com slash unlimited. protonmail.com slash unlimited. Secure your communications with Proton Mail. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. 
We're back with Norman Traversy. So you got no satisfaction with the uh, the Court of Justice. They stayed the case in your absence, uh, which you have on legal authority is or legal advice is a, a criminal offense for that for the court to have done that. It is obstruction of justice. It's against the law. Uh, you sought remedy at the federal court seeking a writ of mandamus, which basically would tell the Court of Justice to do their job. The federal court said, no, it's not our jurisdiction. You went to the uh, Human Rights Council and they said they can't help you uh, because the, uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms does not apply to the Ontario court system, correct? That's correct. All right, so what's next then? Well, this is what happened. Um, people saw what was going on, and this network has organically grown from uh, just the occurrence uh, has got a lot of Canadians and Americans upset, very upset, and people are uh, offering their services. Uh, I've got a couple of investigators uh, I've got people that are putting me on the radio. I've got someone, uh, a company out west has designed a website for me called justiceforcanada.ca. And uh, they've done that. And uh, I've got all kinds of people helping me. I've got uh, forensic accountants that are looking into SNC Lavalin. I've even got a retired two-star general down in the States that's helping me. Uh, President Trump knows what's going on. He's actually read documents about me. Uh, I know that because the general was there and handed him a couple of short documents which uh, President Trump read. He knows what's going on. He knows about what's going on with Trudeau. This is not going away. Uh, It's been just over six months. I'm going to refile stating I have new evidence. Well, they haven't even looked at any evidence, so of course it's all going to be new. And the whole thing's going to start again. Uh, I, I, if they don't unstay it or resume, and I'll file a new prosecution. And I've got legal help making sure it's done properly, which I didn't have before. And there are a group of thousands of us and a lot of retired RCMP are really miffed about this. So I've got some retired RCMP helping me as well. Uh, it's not going to go away, and we are going to win. And you're so also not, going. To, you're also going to take uh, legal action against the Justice of the Peace and the what the Crown Attorney at the yeah. Court of Justice because they stayed the case in your absence, right? You're going to pursue that. They obstructed justice. And I'm also going to file a human rights complaint against the Attorney General of Ontario for denying me justice. And we'll see where that goes. Apparently, these are very effective going to the uh, Human Rights Tribunal. Just let's spend a, f- a few moments talking about this network that seems to be uh, growing around you. And people, again, they're seeing your videos and people interviewing you on YouTube and and uh, I, I recently saw a, a woman interview you on uh, Parliament Hill uh, just maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago, uh, and that, that video went viral. 
Now there is, I understand, a GoFundMe campaign that's um, sprung up. And um, but you mentioned some RCMP officers, and I understand that they are they are writing briefs, uh, in other words, police type documents uh, that that will also yes, be presented at the court. Well, they're writing they're writing uh, briefs for me, and they're making sure it's done properly. So it's going to have my name on the brief and my signature on it, but it's going to be drafted by retired RCMP officers, uh, so it's going to be uh, official-looking, anyways, and it won't be. It'll be correctly done because I've never written a brief, <laughs> right? But I have people that have. And you also so, have uh, you have uh, some some independent investigators out west that are also working on your behalf, some grandmothers in Alberta? Yeah, I've got, I've got that. I've also got someone in Ontario, and it's grown, uh, you know, it's it's kind of morphed to not just against uh, Trudeau, but against all the corruption that we've got in this country. It's, it, I mean, we're number 12 in the world for corruption. United States is 34 or something. You know, we're, we're getting more corrupt by the day. And it's because Trudeau's enabling this. So, uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got people all over. Uh, apparently, the website is getting a lot of hits from Hong Kong. Hmm. And, uh, you know, those people are interested in liberty as well. Uh, Norman, give us the website again where people can find out more about uh, this case. It's justiceforcanada.ca, not com, but .ca. Justiceforcanada.ca, and also there's a GoFundMe campaign. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, there's a link on there uh, from the uh, Justice for Canada one, but uh, if you just type in Justice for Trudeau and SNC-Lavalin, that's the name of the GoFundMe, but there's... There's a button on the justiceforcanada.ca website where you just click on that and it takes you directly there. Now, I'm assuming people like Gary McHale, you know, they're not working for free. Are you are you uh, ringing up large legal bills at this point? Yes, I'm ringing up large bills. Like uh, Gary McHale uh, is working for free. Ah, okay. And uh, But I'm paying all his expenses and I'm paying expenses of anybody else that's working on this. Well, I'm not. The uh, GoFundMe is, which is the uh, you know Canadians that have donated to this. So anything that needs to be done, uh, we're having a march on the uh, first of July, and we're going to need a sound system, things like that. Uh, we are going to gather uh, not at Parliament Hill because uh, Trudeau's canceled the uh, Dominion Day, but we're going to be gathering nearby and then we're going to march when there's enough of us that the police won't be able to stop this we're going to peacefully march to parliament hill uh stand in front of the uh, the flame and sing oh canada and then we are going to march to the american embassy which is about four blocks away and we're going to stand in front of the embassy and uh, I've already been to the American Embassy, and I told them to expect uh, thousands of friendly people that are, are going to be there. And then the plan is for me to deliver a document to the American ambassador or whoever they send to the door. 
and uh, outlining the corruption in Canada, uh, starting off with uh, Trudeau and his crimes and his corruption, and uh, going through to all the other issues that I won't go into right now. But the reason we're doing that on Dominion Day is that uh, the USMCA comes into effect. Right, that's the replacement for the North American Free Trade Act. Yes, and Section 27.5 of that uh, treaty regards corruption and that they are not to uh, trade with countries that are corrupt and that any corruption that comes to, to view will be investigated. So I, it's my belief that that gives the FBI and the Mexican National Police the right to investigate uh, what's been going on up here, including with SNC-Lavalin. And that's the plan. So <laughs> they, they would be violating uh, this brand new treaty if they didn't investigate or at least get the RCMP to investigate and get back to the FBI. And that was put in specifically by President Trump. And he's the one that uh, spearheaded getting that in there. So right. That's, right. that's the plan. Now, in, in the meantime, you have friends that are retired RCMP officers. What are they telling you about the official RCMP investigation that has been stalled because of uh, basically cabinet privilege? In other words, they're not going to, the cabinet, the liberal Trudeau cabinet is not going to hand over documents uh, to the RCMP. They're claiming privilege. So where is the RCMP investigation at? Is Are they basically going to shut it down or what's happening? What, what I was told by these retired RCMP officers, there never was an investigation. It, it never even got started and that they're using that as an excuse, as a way out. Fascinating. Yeah, there never was one. And, you know, Brenda Lucky would have shut that. Well, she didn't allow it to start. The commissioner so, uh, of the RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, who uh, Trudeau hugged and kissed while she saluted him. You're saying that you're told that she would not allow that investigation to take place. That's what I've been told. So why do you think that it never even got started? Why do you think you have retired RCMP officers coming to aid and assist you? What do they what do they know? What do they tell you about what's happening inside the uh, the RCMP and inside the criminal justice system in this country? What I've been told is that when you get to a certain level in the RCMP or the OPP, uh, you are no longer an honest person. And these are these are people that were honest. These guys that have been in touch and ladies that have been in touch with me. And uh, they're, they're telling me things, but that's, that's hearsay, isn't it? But that's what I've been told. So Brenda Lucky, I've been told, has absolutely no credentials for the job she's doing. And just give me the timeline then again. What's after July 1st, after you deliver the, uh, the briefs to the uh, U.S. Embassy alleging corruption, and hopefully the FBI will then be forced under the provisions of the USMCA, they will be forced under Section 27.5 to investigate or ask the RCMP to investigate. Let's say that doesn't go anywhere or that may be a long and drawn out affair. You're In the meantime, you're gonna go back to the Court of Justice? That's correct, I will. I'll go back to the Court of Justice 
And this time when I go back, there won't be five of us. There'll be dozens. And uh, we'll file it. Uh, you know, they, they don't allow cameras in there, but uh, there are lots of sneaky ways of getting cameras in there. And we'll have the whole thing videoed. Uh, you know, I've got a number of people in the Ottawa area that can put together YouTube videos. They're going to have to do something. Is this alleged corruption, is this unique to the Liberal government under Trudeau? Or is this, according to your RCMP contacts, has this been going on for some time? It's been going on for decades. All right. Again, Norman, the website and the GoFundMe uh, campaign. Give us the details. Justiceforcanada.ca and Justice for Trudeau and SNC-Lavalin is the GoFundMe. And uh, we're proceeding on this. Uh, it's not going to go away. It's going to be back in the uh, Court of Justice. It's going to be in the Ontario uh, Human Rights uh, Tribunal. And... Uh, whatever other method I can use. All right, Norman, well, good luck, and um, I'd like to check in with you after July 1st and uh, get an update if that's possible. Oh, absolutely it's possible. Norman, thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to give you a few details about an upcoming episode. There's never been a more important time to focus on our physical well-being, build up our natural immune system, and take control of our health. That's why the mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo every morning. ESS-60 is the consumable form of carbon-60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize winning chemists. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is the purest form of ESS-60 on the market. They produce the formula of ESS-60 that was used in a landmark animal longevity study in Paris, where rats that were fed ESS-60 lived twice their natural lifespans, twice. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's truly a mega antioxidant. How does it make me feel? Well, I'm 56 years old and I'm pain-free, pain-free. My energy levels are through the roof and I sleep like a baby. The mighty Aphrodite is noticing the exact same benefits. ESS-60 delivers better health mental clarity, and immune support. Experience the benefits for yourself. To order, go to the notes for this episode and click on the C60 Evo link. Save 5% on your order by entering the code RS1SPEC. RS1SPEC. And if you order based on a monthly refill, you'll save even more. Get your bottle of this miracle molecule ESS60 today from C60 Evo and again, Go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. Then enter the code RS1SPEC to start saving. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, a UFO crash retrieval expert with the U.S. Army reveals all. There was a kidney-shaped door on the side of what you'd call the canopy of the craft. And halfway out was the body of what you would call a typical gray alien. And I immediately turned around and I said, Sir, 
I need an officer up here. And he went ahead and says, Gus, tell us what you're seeing, son. And I said, no, sir, you don't understand. I need an officer up here. What I'm seeing, I guess, can't be real. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 